are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining from very rainy Dallas, Texas today. It's home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation. I often draw on the media work research I've been doing over the last 15 years and the book that I'm writing, as well as my experience consulting, including the work that I do today at Insignium, a global management consulting firm. I will get to the program in just a moment, but let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Bill Lee, who is the founder and CEO of the Center for Customer Engagement. We talked about building a customer advocacy strategy in sales is not just good for business, but also for engaging the hearts and minds of employees. Really great, interesting conversation. Be sure to catch it. With us this week is Henda Samaran, an award-winning real estate broker with Dave Perry Miller Real Estate, breast cancer survivor, extreme endurance athlete, and now also an author. She just published her memoir, Grit Under My Nails, a memoir in three acts. We'll be talking about some of the critical points in her life that have helped make her who she is today, how she transitioned from being an information technology professional into real estate guru, and what she hopes people listening to her message will ultimately get. She joins me today right next to me in my studio Henda, welcome to Working on Purpose. It's very exciting. It's a complete new medium for me. So I'm rather nervous in a little funny way. That's amazing considering all that you've done. It's really amazing. And and I, I appreciate that because that means it means something to you. And I'm happy about that. So we'll get those nerves out of the way, no problem. Uh, so to kick us off, though, there's there's so much we could talk about with you, Henda. You have such a remarkable life and you have navigated through so much. Part of the reason I wanted to share your message, not just because you're a dear friend and I and I support your message completely, and I want to share you with my listeners, but the parts about you that I think really connect with what our what our listeners are maybe tuning in for is that you've overcome major adversity, which we can all relate to and appreciate, and that makes you who you are. And then the other piece about it is the identity piece of how you've really been able to transition from one career in information technology into real estate, and now you're adding author to it. So there's a, a couple of things I want to make sure we cover in in the show. Yeah? Yes, and how about my learning how to speak Texan? <laughs> Well, let's start first that if you <laughs> listeners, if you listen to that wonderful accent, she's originally from South Africa, and I love the way that she speaks. So English is her second language. Now we add text and it makes that a third. Yep, yep, yep. Get her done, <laughs> y'all. I know, right? I, I had to learn all those things, too. Um, well, to get us started here, so you you have, as I say, what I would really call a remarkable life story. I mean, it's filled with quite a number of twists and turns, um, which you detail in your book beautifully. And, and I would want us, if you can, to give us kind of a high-level overview of some of those aspects that were especially poignant for you before you came to the United States, and why do you think they were shaped, They were important for shaping who you really are? So what I'm looking for is like those major milestones that you think you hit along the way that really made you who you are. So I arrived in the United States when I was 24 in 1990, 
Literally with two suitcases and um, 500 bucks. Oh, and a bottle of Portuguese port. <laughs> um, not, not to forget about the port. Um, if I look back, you know, to me it all starts with my book cover. I wear on my cover a very deep royal purple dress. And that color played a very big role through most of my life because my mother gave me away wearing that exact color when I was three years old. And that's probably where this journey no doubt starts because it is my earliest memory. And sitting here today, I can transport myself to that exact moment as if it was yesterday. So for me, um, in addition to, of course, dealing with all sorts of worthy issues and abandonment, um, additionally, I struggled my whole life to find out who my father was. And um, between finding that identity, I think, or the struggle in finding identity, it really shaped me to where I am at today, which is in my early 50s. Um, my mother remarried a man uh, when I was in my in second grade, and I went to go live with him again um, after I, she gave me away for several years prior. And um, this very lovely scumbag almost raped me when I was um, in my early teens. And instinctively, I knew that he was not a good man, and I begged her to send me away to boarding school. So for most of my growing years, I grew up in a boarding school where I was mentored by incredible teachers, and academics really became for me the ticket out of, out of my, my circumstances, so to speak. For all practical purposes, I should have been a drug addict and a drop, school dropout and live on some bus bench somewhere in some city. Um, I graduated instead with top honors. I was head girl of my boarding school, very similar to Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> growing up in South Africa, boarding schools were not for the rich and wealthy, um, but it was rural in many instances, um, apartheid South Africa. So it was a very common thing for us, for many of us to be in boarding school. Um, I got scholarships to study at the University of Pretoria and my initial desire was to study law because I had this intense desire to fight for people that were that has less strength and less fortune and less opportunity. But sadly, like many other places in the world, uh, attorneys are a dime a dozen and I couldn't get scholarship money. And instead, I was forced to go study computer science because Total Oil, the um, petroleum giant, French company, was willing to give me a full ride. So I graduated with a double majors in computer science and um, economics. So anyways, um, very quickly as a 15 year old, I learned also financial independence by waitressing. And um, I learned to upsell. Um, heavens behold, if I was your waitress, because you were going to end up with more appetizers and desserts. <laughs> I could see it. Than you could, <laughs> that you planned for. <laughs> Um, and I think, you know, looking back at the end of the day, starting as a, that little abandoned child, I always re tried to reinvent myself and hide the pain and the shame of growing up in those circumstances. And I really became the master chameleon. And part of that was to learn to speak English. I studied it as a second language, like many people here in the U.S. study Spanish. 
and you can read it and write it, but you lack the confidence of speech. So I really only started speaking it in, when I was about 19, 20, 19 or 20 years old. Does that answer? Did yeah, that was a great answer. And there's so much that I could peel back on that. But I, but what I want to do is I want to keep going further into your story. There's a couple of pieces of it that I want to pull out. And for the listeners, that's a bit of a taste of what she's written in her book. And you can dive more into that for sure. But um, one thing I do want to say is the way that you describe your journey, just the things that you've gone through. And, of course, you and I have had many conversations about this stuff it's really intense. And what I want to presence for the listeners is that the way that we respond to adversity makes us who we are. At the end of the day, it makes us who we are. So it's your response, your unique response that you had to those events that I look at and know today to be Henda Samron. And I, what I want for the listeners to hear from your story is that we're all going to get that adversity and that hardship, some of us more so than others. And the response to it and how we embrace that and fold that into our being the way that you have is what allows us to become this amazing person like you've become. I, I think for me, a lot of it had to do, and, and even to this day, if I look just back on ultra endurance running or you know real estate or whatever, for me, there's no excuses. If we take excuses off the table and just say, you know, you're not going to use your circumstances or the poor me or the sad me, just take it away, show up, every day and and play be in the arena and play the game and um, for whatever you know reason that was always part of my makeup and you know it's an interesting concept of nature or nurture right in my case I totally believe it was um, nature that just gifted me with with that ability to understand you better you know just sit up straight and and show up and rock and roll Mm -hmm. And to that end, what I like to also remind my listeners of is that as human beings, we are meaning makers. We desperately always look to create meaning. It's who we are. It's what we do. And therefore, we have the ability to choose how we make sense of the events in our lives. We choose what meaning to give them, whether they're bad or or good. So you chose to look at those events as just something that you can get through and there's no excuses. And uh, that's another piece of your story that I think is so important and, and is such a great example and why I wanted you to share with my listeners why the the back of my book cover has the quote from saint augustine dating back to six, about 1600 years ago and saint augustine said the key to immortality is first living a life worth remembering and i totally wholeheartedly agree with him mm-hmm. and you certainly do live that life we'll get to some of those points as well and then when we start, when we start with the part of your journey where you get to the United States, you said you were 24, you came here because you were recruited to come to work and, and here in the United States. And, and I think also even just that start says something about you and how you navigate things. So tell us about arriving in the United States, that first job. And I know what happened as you settled in to your living quarters. Well, so I was recruited. It was in the years, in the days before Indian outsourcing. So we were headhunted quite heavily out of South Africa because we could speak English. We actually had advanced computer degrees and um, we were cheap. We would come work for a third what they would pay an, an equal qualified American. And so I was headhunted and take and sent to Winston-Salem, North Carolina to program, uh, computer program at um, R.J. Reynolds Tobacco. Now, 
quite honestly, I am rather challenged when it comes to American literature and variety of other things, including back then, geography, because I had no idea where North Carolina was. <laughs> yeah, I actually went and borrowed an, a Britannica encyclopedia for those of us that lived prior to the World Wide Web. And I looked up North Carolina and, you know, quite honestly, I didn't even really care because I was coming to America. So here I arrived and um, within, so the first six days, they put me in a hotel and then I had to find an apartment and I discovered Kmart. Oh my goodness, what an incredible choice of just mind numbing choices of stuff. (laughs) Well, my first night in my new abode, the pipes burst and the, the apartments flooded. And so I went and slept on the couch of my of a co- new colleague and they raided the apartment, some hooligans, and stole everything I owned. <laughs> Which was very much the bottle of port They wine. stole the, the <laughs> bottle of port and my underwear and shoes and the <laughs> luggage I just came with. And so I literally started with nothing. Then the clothes I was wearing. And I had this little Italian boss and that Monday they... They heard what happened, and he took me to to his home, and his wife was an MS, um, pretty advanced um, MS sufferer, and she opened her closet for me, said, take whatever you want. Well, it was the 1970s wardrobe, and so for the first few months in the United States, I quite eloquently um, impersonated Mary Tyler Moore, (laughs) and... um, (laughs) But, you know, I'm so grateful for, for that woman, with the kindness that she bestowed on me. But, yeah, that's how my American dream started, um, my, my Stars and Stripe journey. It's a wonderful story. And all the color to it. The other thing I want to present for the listeners is the, the way that you navigate life and the language that you use. Your first language is Afrikaans. Second is English. And the way that you use language and the way that it shows up and the way that you use it to as a way to express yourself, but also to navigate life is so rich and so compelling. But that started later. Um, the, the, the complexity and joy of the English language is another book I'm planning to write. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> because it is quite honestly, I, I do speak several other languages too, and English by far is the most complicated one. It is. I agree. Uh, well, I want to talk a little bit about your IT career because it's part of it was part of you. It still is part of you because you still use a lot of this, the skills that you use then. But you made a career as an IT professional, and I forget all the different places you've worked at, and I don't need you to, to detail all those. But I just want you to comment a bit about that career and what you liked about it, what you got from it in terms of who you are today. So after I had my, I got my green card. I became a technical consultant for Price Waterhouse Coopers. You know, and and for somebody that hated computer science in my years at university, I really, it trained me to think in a very analytical way, in a problem-solving way. And um, it also taught me to be very goals and results-oriented, because when you write code, it either works or it doesn't. You know, it doesn't maybe work. And so I'm very appreciative, um, and to this day, I still code. I guess once you're a geek, you've just always, always a geek. And um, sadly, I have, you know, still code my websites at night and write HTML. And I don't know, it, I guess if I look back, it was my first taste of creating. And um, also being a control freak, it was rather rewarding 
writing complex code that did exactly what I wanted it to do. Okay, so, and I know you still do this, that you still use your, your programming skills, et cetera, and I know that you've created a lot of your own website material, which is just amazing. Um, now, somehow in there, somewhere in there, you decided to go into real estate. So first, give us the context. Why did you want to leave IT, and then why pursue real estate? So I had the most perfect golden handcuffs. I had a cushy job in corporate America. I made a six-figure income. I had employee benefits, stock options, et cetera, et cetera. And then post 9-11, the tech bubble crashed. And although I had no concerns for my job, I was a critical point of failure, it really um, horrified me how the workforce where I was at the time was laid off. And um, at the time, they also terminated our telecommuting policy. So I had to go back into the office. After being four years, you know, being able to work from home, you know, with my my children right there at my feet. And literally overnight, my entrepreneurial spirit was born. (laughs) I grew up in a country where I didn't learn how to be an entrepreneur. You went to school, you went to university, and then you went to work for people. And I never had the concept really to work for myself. But through those six months of just witnessing people's lives being taken away from them, I didn't want to be part of that anymore. But I didn't know what to do. And um, after studying my real estate market, I decided it would be a good fit because I bring strong technology, a tremendous work, work ethic. I was very well trained by corporate America. And I wasn't afraid to work hard. And I closed my eyes and I literally jumped off. The, the cliff and everybody thought I was having a midlife crisis and a nervous breakdown. <laughs> How can you go from an IT tech person to selling com- real, uh, commission-based real estate? Um, yeah, I wonder myself what I was thinking back then. And that was 15 years ago. It was 15 years ago. I actually started January, well, I moonlighted for six months. And then my first, um, the week of Martin Luther King weekend, which was, I think, January, 2003, I started with a panic attack because I was like, oh, God, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? Um, I have had no idea how I was going to make money. I certainly wasn't earning any base salary or anything. But um, it was also very empowering because I totally accepted my destiny in my own hands. And um, needless to say, by the end of that first year, I was rookie of the year And um, I have never looked back. And I'm so utterly grateful today that they did terminate that telecommuting policy. Because if they didn't, I probably would never have left. Mm. Beautiful way to take us into a break, Henda. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Henda Samaran, who is an award-winning real estate broker with Dave Perry Miller Real Estate. She's a breast cancer survivor, extreme endurance athlete, and author of Grit Under My Nails, a memoir in three acts. She joins us today from Dallas, right next to me. We've been talking a bit about what's in her book, what's helped make her who she's become, and her earlier her early career in IT and now real estate. After the break, we're going to get more into her book and some of her other things that she has planned for her future. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Henda Samaran, an award-winning real estate broker with Dave Perry Miller Real Estate, a breast cancer survivor, extreme endurance athlete, and author of Grit Under My Nails, a memoir in three acts. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So just before the break, Henda, we were talking about your transition into real estate and why you did that and how you did it. And I want to say a couple things about that again for our listeners. There are very well maybe people on on the air right now who are listening to your story, and they are in part looking to be inspired by you. And a big reason I host this show and do the work that I do is to empower people. I want people to go after their dreams. I want them to be bigger today than they were yesterday. And when you said that you part of what that experience was like for you to go into real estate and be your be working for yourself and earning commission, it was empowering. Would you say more about that? Not only was it empowering because my money was directly tied to my effort, but it was also the freedom that came with that. I wasn't tied to nine to five. I could decide how I wanted to spend my hours, my weeks, my days. And, you know, I worked hard. I worked very long hours, seven days a week, many weeks, 15 hours a day. But that was never my what scared me away. So it really fitted me like a glove, the fact that I could do it on my terms. And um, one of the absolute most rewarding things that have come from this is the amazing people I've met. 
And that was the, the side benefit that I never really considered. But after 15 years, I look back at the phenomenal people that have given me their front door keys and let, it, let me into their lives. And to me, that the trust they have put in my guidance and my, my service and, and my commitment to help them, as you well know, uh, after divorce and, and job changing, career changing, uh, moving is one of the most stressful things people can do in their lives. And so the, the job satisfaction or work satisfaction that have come this last 15 years was just something I never anticipated. So part of what I also appreciate about your story is, and I talk about this a lot, is this notion of what, what I refer to in what's called in academia as work-life integration. We no, They no longer say work-life balance. Nobody believes in that anymore, I don't think. But work-life integration is something many of us can get our, our arms around. And one of the things that I really appreciate and admire about you is that you have what I call, and many many of us who know you, who have met you, an over-the-top way about you. You go about life in an over-the-top way. You are bigger than life. You fold a lot into your life. And and so I want you, if you would, to share with our listeners, when you think about this business that you've been in, real estate, you like the flexibility, how it allows you to call your day. Um, if you would say a little bit about some of the things, the ways that you fill your day, just so that our listeners get a, 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 an idea of the abundance of your life. It comes back to technology, the freedom that technology has given me and how I have integrated that into my business. And so I don't look at it anymore as do I play, do I work, do I vacate? It's all just this big, happy mesh of scrambled eggs. And I um, I seamlessly just float from one to the other, many times simultaneously. And I have literally... You know, travel, I'm a travel junkie. Everybody that knows me will assign that as my first, you know, characteristic. And I have successfully over the last 15 years traveled to the corners of the world while while working. And I look back and and so fondly remember in the mountains of Vietnam in a hut at three o'clock in the morning where I'm on Skype and and conducting business from, you know, selling a half, half a million dollar property, literally from a mud hut and or sitting in Africa on the savannah overlooking a waterhole while I'm negotiating a contract. You know, I was, I turned 50 and was in Cairo, Egypt. And once again, you know, here my, my home office was, was the Nile. So I think when we remove just limitations and, and we allow ourselves to assume that we can do anything we want, that has been one of um, the surprises for me in a way that, that I'm able to earn a really great living and do it on my terms. I want to, of course, comment on that. A couple things that I really want to, to call out is that you really live and are an example, a living, walking example of possibility. And, of course, in the work that I do around organizational transformation, around performance breakthrough kind of work, we're, we're all about possibility, getting people to see beyond what is what they think they know to be sure today to what could be tomorrow for themselves. And what I really appreciate about your story is that you you really are an exemplar of living this incredibly full, beautiful life. So all that travel that you do, all these amazing trips that I know you've taken over the years and we've talked about. The other thing that's great about that is one, you you sometimes do those trips all by yourself, all by all by your your lonesome, and then other times, you bring um, your children with you. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I hear so many people tell me always, oh, I would love to travel. I just don't have anybody to travel with. Well, you know what? Um, you don't have to have somebody with you because I make a point when I travel to stay with local people. Um, homestay, you know, these days with Airbnb, it's, it's changed the way we travel. But I love to connect with people around the world. And so a very important part for me is not to just be in a hotel. I will say just as a side note, the one thing I always need is Wi-Fi. That, that is <laughs> that's my, right. That's a non-negotiable. That's a non-negotiable. I will come stay in your mud hut or your bamboo hut or your tent or wherever I need to stay under a tree. As long as I have Wi-Fi, it's kind of sad, but that is my trump card. That is the, the thing that enables me to do all this stuff. I get that. And I also appreciate the fact of just the mobility that comes with that. I really, and, and the freedom that comes with that. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about that I want to call it for our listeners. So you and I met somewhere, I think, in early 2011. I remember it distinctly because I was the president of Lakewood Service League. We were having a meeting at one of the members' houses, and you were the speaker. That's kind of, we had met before, we'd seen each other before, but that's kind of where the connection really happened. But something happened to you that would forever alter the course of your life about a year or so before that, maybe two years, I can't remember which. You were diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah, it's actually 7th of June at 8.35 a.m. in the morning, to just be exact. So things you also never forget. Um, So if we fast forward to the beginning of 2009, I was fat, I was unfit, I worked 18 hours a day. And the only thing I've ever run was around my bed to make it to the other side. And so um, I discovered or I realized I needed to change my course. And so I decided to get fit. And over about an eight-week period, I lost 12 pounds. And that's when I felt this little lump. And yeah, that was, if, if I look back over the last 51 years, that one single thing set in motion uh, as a um, domino effect that, that I could never have imagined. I had a four-centimeter tumor that was, when we'll get later to the ins and outs of that, that was invisible on a mammogram. I had two surgeries and um, radiation as well, which kind of brought us to the second devastating event that happened 54 days later. Against my doctor's orders, and all of us will probably agree I was utterly stupid, I decided to forge ahead to go with um, my family to Peru for our summer vacation, and I still had a bandaged right breast. So, yeah, not the brightest moment of my life. And um, on August 1st, 2009, at like 8 o'clock in the morning, I had a heart attack. And I was in Arequipa, Peru, alone in an emergency room. And they were telling me that half of my heart died and that I was probably going to die. And I was lying in this tiny little metal cot um, without my family because my cell phone had no service and they were at some hotel. And it was um, the most terrifying thing that has ever happened to me. But also that set in motion really a liberation that I could never have imagined. Well, you can't leave us hanging with that. What liberation? To no longer be afraid of dying. Mm -hmm. To no longer worry about to just live and make the most of of here now because that's all we have and that cliche became completely 
ingrained in every fiber of my being. And if it wasn't for those two events, I'm not sure if it would ever have moved beyond a cliche. Mm-hmm. And I have heard other people who have survived cancer or other major events like a heart attack, et cetera, also say that it alters the trajectory of their lives permanently. They can never be the same. And and some of them, but I don't think quite on your same level, some of them certainly, say, you know, every single day is precious and I'm going to live it to the fullest. You certainly do that. It's not just each day. Every breath is precious. And with that becomes comes an intensity that scares people um, because I understand. I try and pack in as much as I can in the 24 hours. I wish I could negotiate 29, but sadly I only have 24. But I do try and really, it's my life is from my inhale to my exhale and all we, we, we know it will end. We know we will die. What we, not, what we don't know is when. But I'm no longer afraid. And it is removing, I think, that fear that brings real supreme liberation to one's thoughts. One of the things that you have jokingly said about yourself or describe yourself as such, which I completely agree, is you're a stiff drink. <laughs> Very stiff one. <laughs> scares most people <laughs> men in particular <laughs> Indeed. you know I've been dumped the single most reason um, frequent reason is I'm too much yeah well so sorry darling <laughs> yeah I know I know next 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 uh, what I what the reason I wanted to bring that up is one any of my listeners who have been listening for a while know that I really really love to empower people across the world the planet and I enjoy and appreciate so much my listeners who come in thank you China Japan India for joining us it's amazing to have your company over the airwaves and the other thing that I also really care about is I really want to, to be a stand for empowering women to really be fully in their power. And and I know it's not necessarily popular, especially when you're very, very, very strong as you are. And so I want to celebrate your strength and the fact that you're a stiff drink. And so cheers. No question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no apologies. So one of the things, too, that I appreciate about you is here you you go through breast cancer, get treatment, 54 days later have your heart attack, and then not long after that, you just you trot yourself down to Austin, which is the capital city of Texas for you listeners like me, Hinda, and I, who aren't very great with geography. And you decided that you needed to help other women who were battling with the potential of, of breast cancer because they were living under the false auspice of security with a mammogram. So dense breast tissue was really what you were what you were wanting to surface. And so you went down to Austin and you got a bill passed. Talk to us about this. Um, so here I end up with a four centimeter tumor that's invisible on a mammogram. And I had four, like many of us women, we believe mammograms were foolproof. And when I sat there on June 9th, when I was given a later stage diagnosis, and I said to them, well, sorry, I, I'm kind of stupid, but help me out. How do you miss a, mam- a tumor of that size? And they said to me, well, you have dense breast tissue. Now, all of us can agree that none of us would come up with those three words together in one sentence. And when I asked him, so how didn't I know about this dense breast tissue I have? I learned that it wasn't the standard of care to tell us. 
And that to me was unacceptable because at the end of the day, any of us know that cancer survival lies in early detection. And I wasn't given the chance of early detection. And so we're also not a lot of uh, many other women because 50% of women have dense breasts and 40% of tumors are missed on a mammogram. We're talking massive numbers. And so on June 10th, 2009, I called my state representative and I literally begged him to help me change the standard of care. And two years later, after learning how to be a lobbyist and being down in Austin for the six months of the 2011 legislative year, um, on June 17th at 4 p.m., Governor Perry signed Henda's law exactly two years to the day of my first surgery. And, um, you know, I look back on it and, and I think the main reason I was able to succeed was first I was underestimated, as often happens. And then I also had a lot of help from incredible people on this journey in Austin and then also just sheer luck. And um, today I'm very proud to say that there's less than 10 states left that do not have dense breast legislation. And um, back then, we Texas was the second state. And within about 12 months, we had New York, California, and Virginia, Texas, and Connecticut. And we had more than 35% in the tipping point. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what you call impact. And takes us another to another, to another break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Henda Samran, who is an award-winning real estate broker with Dave Perry Miller Real Estate, a breast cancer survivor, extreme endurance athlete, and author of Grit Under My Nails, a memoir in three acts. She joins us today from Dallas, Texas. After the break, we'll talk more about her journey. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com.
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Henda Samaran, an award-winning real estate broker with Dave Perry Miller Real Estate, breast cancer survivor, extreme endurance athlete, author of Grit Under My Nails, a memoir in three acts, and I want to add the mother of two amazing children, Mateo and Dominique, both of whom I love. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So let's talk a little bit more about Henda's Law because what I also want to share and, and presence for the listeners is that talk about taking something true adversity and turning it into something beautiful for so many people well I think when we are given a diagnosis of such magnitude I personally needed to know that there was purpose to it and that's what Hinda's law has given me I have I know I've impacted thousands and thousands of lives and um, the fact that I could save one has given me more purpose than I could ever have imagined so, listeners, for you to understand what a little bit more about what she means by that, so at least here in Texas, and she can comment on the other states, is women who have breast, uh, dense breast tissue, and I do too, by the way, when they get their mammogram, there's something on there that says, you have dense breast tissue, you might want to look at other screening mechanisms per, you know, Henda's law. So, that's how women start to get alerted to the fact that this isn't necessarily all there is for screening. So, the impact is enormous. And then it's probably, if I look back, my the thing I'm one of the most proudest things, other than being my kid's mom. Now, one thing that would be important also to say how, about how what percentage of the population has dense breast tissue? Fifty percent of women have dense breast tissue, and um, it affects young women in particular because as you go through menopause, your breast becomes automatically less dense. Mm-hmm. And it's not how big they are or how muscly you are. It, it's got nothing to do with that. It's a genetic combination of your fat to your tissue. It's an amazing triumph. And I remember when you called me when you said, you know, it's passed. It was amazing. What a, what a moment. And now the fact that it's cascaded all these other states, the ripple effect, I really want to acknowledge you for that amazing gift that you've given to other women across at least the United States. Well, and if I have my way, we will make it all over the world. Just give me a few more years. So, listeners, if you want to help, we'll tell you later how to find her. So, hang with us. But in this last segment, I want to I want to move on to this next chapter of your life, Henda. You're adding author to to the long list of things that make you who you are, and you're about to embark really on a on a new journey where you want to go out and start sharing your 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 message with more people. In addition to your real estate career. And I know that there are people listening who desperately want to transform their lives into something else. In fact, just today when I was at the airport leaving uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I heard a gentleman say, I want to be in business for myself so badly I can taste it. And the guy he was talking to was just like, okay, well, whatever. Well, for him, this is really important. So this new journey that you're going on, you're, it's, it's, it's big, it's bold. 
Tell us about it. What, no, do, you, what do you hope to do in it? Oh, it's utterly mind-numbingly terrifying. <laughs> can we add those? Yes, we can. Adjectives, please. <laughs> yeah, so I hope I can transform myself one more time. I do want to use this book. So to just let you in, how does a non-English speaker actually get to write a 68,000-word, 250-page book? Well, it, slowly, number one. And then over three years, every night, because by day I am selling real estate and I also have two kids. But slowly over the course of three years, I, I learned fluency. And it started because I was afraid I was going to die. And I was terrified that my children wouldn't know me. And having grown up with really no family, I knew that the only way I could share with them my story was to tell it to them. And that's where the journey started. It was very rough the first year. The second year, I learned similes and alliteration. Metaphors are still a little out of my reach. Maybe by my second <laughs> book, I'll master that skill. Um, and then a, a year ago, I embarked on a very transformational journey because I decided to also um, record an audio version of my book narrated by the author, me. And it, it was terrifying beyond belief, standing in a recording booth um, trying to learn how to be a voiceover actor because you can't just read the book. I mean, people will fall asleep for heaven's sake. And by standing in that booth for many, many months, every week for an hour, I learned my voice and I learned how to tell my story and I learned how I wanted to tell my story. And it, I, that's when I turned to my editor and I said, well, my book is not going to have any chapters. She said, well, you can't write a book without chapters. I'm like, yeah, well, watch me. We're going to have three acts. <laughs> and anyways, my proudest moment is going to, well, I'm so proud. In about a month, we will be publishing the, the audio audible. And that was really giving birth to a third child. I can well imagine. As you know, I've been working on my book for a couple of years now, too. So I hope it's on a similar timeline as yours. It took you three years. It might take me longer, but... You've already been asked to speak to audiences about the book. People are already coming to you saying, come talk to us about this. Tell us the story. How do you plan to take this new venture forth in your life professionally? Well, I want to use the book to launch a public speaking career because I do want to tell my story. I do feel so many of us grew up with, you know, we all have stories. We all have, you know, bad childhoods or we've been hurt. We've been, you know, felt unworthy, unloved. And abandoned. And I think in, in this last next phase, I, I really want to reach out to people to where just knowing that you're not alone, just knowing you're connected. It's really come down to me to connection. It, I'm a storyteller and our stories tie us together. And it's a very powerful for me to stand in a room looking out with people and connecting to them through by being willing to be authentic and vulnerable and sharing with them my road to worthiness. It is a, a universal condition, in my opinion. Incredibly beautiful. And also something that I want to present for the listeners is something I say often when I'm doing a program or speaking to other groups is I talk about the fact that our life stories really represent who we are, our identities. And because there are life stories and we are the authors, we can always rewrite our life story however we want. And, and I truly think if you stop being afraid of failure, you know, I have no embarrassment left after sharing my intimate 
thoughts and the story of my life with strangers, I might as well go sit at the mall butt naked because there are <laughs> just no secrets left. But you know what? With that comes liberation because I don't care anymore what people think. And just within there lies a powerful transformation in itself. Along those lines, one of the other things, as I think about your new journey going forward, Henda, and and what you're planning to do coming out as a a speaker and, and going to present, I know because of the research that I've been doing that work can give us lots of different kinds of things beyond just a paycheck. It can give us our identities. It can give us connection. It can give us a sense of purpose. I feel I live my purpose through the work that I do in my various my various channels. So there's lots of things that work can give us. What do you hope this new venture will bring you for you? You know, I don't think there's just one thing. Um, obviously, I will keep writing. I think what I want more than anything is to be free from location. I'm a I'm a nomad. I'm happy when I roam my beautiful world. And I want to see as many sunsets and sunrises over as many mountaintops and oceans as I can. And for me to be able to do that, I don't want to need Wi-Fi anymore. And so ultimately, I, as much as I love real estate, I have 18 months before my, my daughter graduates from high school and I'm an empty nester. And I will give everything and work as many hours as it's necessary for the next 18 months to see if I can realize this dream. And, and I, have, I have no doubt that I will. I, why would I not do this one thing one more time? So that, that's my dream, to, to be free from, from, from just having to live in, in one place. Because visual is so important, paint that picture for our listeners. Tell us what it looks like when you've become free from time and Wi-Fi and, and place what does your life look like? What are you doing? I want to travel the world and talk to women about empowerment because I do believe there is a, a lot of women, not just in this country, but across the world that, that are emerging and discovering the power of, 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 of just being a woman. You know, it's, it's a great time in our lives. I'm a hashtag me too also. And from thanks to my stepfather, but I would love to travel the third world, particularly Africa and the, the emerging cultures and go speak to women. I'm African at the end of the day. And so I would love to spend time in, in Africa and, you know, just, I don't know, go to Venice for three months and learn Italian and go to Bangkok, which I love, and just gorge myself on street food or, um, you know, ride the on horseback with the great migration from the Masamara to Serengeti or, or just sit in a little house in Cape Town overlooking the ocean. I don't know. I, I um, The world is my oyster. How beautiful is that? And I wanted you to share that because it's so important to dream. It's so, so important. I know so many people, not, I don't even just know people, I know of so many people, and it's very sad that literally are walking through life really dead. They're waiting for the end of the day, they're waiting for the end of the week so they can really start their life. And 
I really want to, for, part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show hand is I think that you represent such possibility for people when they can access and hear your story. There's hope for them that they, there's, there really is possibility out there. We can't wait to start living our life. You know, I have three pebbles next to my bed and they represent each of them are the 10 summers I have left in a fortunate man's life. And I see them every morning. I have, I have 28 summers left if I'm lucky. Yeah, we need to take it serious. It's here and now. And burn the boats. You know, it worked for the Vikings. I've burned my boats. <laughs> they they have flamed. There's no escape. <laughs> Ahead we go. <laughs> and and I think there's something about commitment that you're talking about, right? When you talk about committing something and then just going for it. Put your head down and go for it. And don't give yourself an out. Yeah. Just don't give yourself any excuse not to do it. There's a lot more that you could probably say, but we're already just a couple minutes away from closing the show, and and I like to give my my guest the last word, if you will. What would you like to leave our listeners with today? Say maybe about a minute or so. So, it took me the best part of 50 years to be free of the weight and shame of my childhood. And in my book, there are many poems that matter really a lot in my life. However, there's one that matters the most. And it's by Raymond Carver, Late Fragment. This was the last poem he ever wrote. He died when he was 50 years old. He wrote this the week before his death. He died of breast cancer. I'm sorry, cancer, lung cancer. And it it really sums up for me everything. And did you get what you wanted from this life? Even so, I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth. Oh, that is incredibly beautiful, Henda. Just like this conversation, I really have enjoyed every moment of this. You and I have talked about many of these things over and over again through the years we've known each other. And getting to share you and your message with my listeners has really been a precious treasure. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Listeners, I would really like to encourage you to to consider this an, an introduction. So, Please, this is, we're opening the dialogue here, and we always like to hear from you as to what you got out of these conversations. So drop, you can drop me a line at Elise Cortez for, on Twitter. Um, if you want to learn more about Henda and, and interact with her, and I hope you absolutely will, probably the best way to find her is one of her websites, which is gritundermynails.com. So that's the name of her book, gritundermynails.com. And it would be great if you could just let her know what did what did what resonated about her message with you. Let let her know that. Let me know that. And we the book the book is on Amazon. Uh, the book is on Amazon. Please, yes, it's already out. Oh yes, yes, okay. we published it this last month. Okay, great. Next week we will be on the air with Andrea Zenz, and we'll be talking about leadership, emotional and relational intelligence for women, and her new book. She has one out as well. See you then. Remember that work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.